And of course, the cities of the future that we build should all be evolutionary in a way that they can adapt to changes. What, what, what I spoke about before, uh, public space that adapts to unforeseeable events. Hi guys, welcome back to episode two of the IBD Hub podcast. Uh, today I'm with uh, the two co-founders of Superworld, Maxim and Thomas, uh, which in my opinion uh, represent the architects of tomorrow. So hi guys. <laughs> hi. Hi Julia. Thanks for um, having us. Thanks for no, having us. I'm glad no to be problem. here. Good to talk to you. <laughs> Um, I was wondering if you could maybe present yourselves, like I know you guys uh, for quite a while actually, uh, Maxime has been years <laughs> even, um, so could you present yourself and, and maybe tell me a bit more about Superworld? Hi Julia, thanks for having us. Um, so we know each other for, for quite some time, but uh, for the audience it might be interesting to know. My name is uh, Maxime Kuna, I'm originally from a small village in the the forestry part in the southern uh, uh, side of Belgium. I'm a partner, a confounder at, uh, at Superworld. Uh, from formation, I'm uh, an architect, an engineer, which I, I practice both in the private sector. And I was also involved in the academic sphere as a researcher at MIT. Now I'm focusing my time on Superworld, trying to push uh, uh, the boundaries of what the architecture profession means uh, to me. Hello, Julia. Thanks for having us today. So my name is Thomas Krall, and I'm one of the co-founders of Superworld. I have an architectural uh, background myself, uh, having studied in Germany, United States and the Netherlands. And after having worked in uh, Denmark, we started uh, Superworld here in uh, Rotterdam. Superworld is a practice that is, uh, that is based in the Netherlands, in, in, in Rotterdam. And Thomas and I founded it a couple of years ago with uh, the idea to explore and experiment with evolutionary systems, alternative models and, and soft transitions towards a world we want to envision living in. We adopt a really uh, an exploratory approach to understand how we want and we should um, inhabit our common planet that reflects both of who we are as individual, uh, Thomas and I, but also how we want to push the profession to towards something that is more inclusive and more um, more in our values, I would say. And we we basically trying to, to leverage the in-between practice scopes. We're trying to, to hack some conventions and trying to find synergies in between different fields, uh, such as economics or energy, mobility, and more traditionally architecture and urbanism. And I, I think this is this is also why I I wanted you to to speak with me on this episode. Uh, I think your uh, vision of uh, cities and urbanism is refreshing and new. So um, that's why today I would like to talk about how cities and urbanism will evolve um, through time, especially after this pandemic. Uh, and really have your intake on how uh, you see things evolve. Do you think that we will change our ways to design the cities? 
Well, in a way, like if you take a look in history, um, COVID-19 is just one public health matter that we have. And in the past, we already have encountered those. So in the past, urbanism with a focus on hygiene um, uh, usually resulted in, in three different um, consequences or let's say uh, aftershock uh, effects. So you would have better living standards for a large part of society, which is a really good thing. You would have more governmental control on uh, over the population. So that's a bit more uh, on the downside of it. But also you can see that there's acceleration of urban evolution in general. So in terms of uh, uh, creating or evolving new kind of typology in, uh, in the built environment. So for instance, the sanitation system came in, in ancient Rome after, after the plague and more uh, down to earth and more close to us. You can see that Haussmann uh, uh, urbanism was really, in Paris was really a consequence of, of, uh, of health crisis. And that brought those really wide streets and, and be able to, to breathe in the city. And then you had also other similar examples, such as uh, uh, the Garden City and the modern movement that was all about trying to make uh, the, th the city either more clean, uh, whether it's in its aesthetic, but also in how we interact with nature. So all this um, create better living standards with more access to, to green spaces, but also it tackles uh, different kind of parameters, such as um, daylight access or uh, air pollution and in the same time it's it's as I was saying it's creating a bit more of a top-down control that might be a bit uh, uh, to be mitigated but it's also in a way how we inhabit our planet as citizens more as uh, urban planners or or built environment stakeholders but I think also interestingly you have those new typologies coming up with uh, the Parisian block for instance or uh, bathhouses and, and flat roofs in a way. Yeah, so we, we can basically say that um, thanks to uh, pandemics uh, in the past, it has pushed architects and designers to find new ways to have a healthy city and, and really like perform in an engineering way to make the city healthier and that helped society to evolve through time. Uh, mm. um, but how would you relate this to the current uh, situation? Do you think that the social distancing will have an urban impact um, on the cities today? Um, well, well, if, you, if we speak about these three things that, that Max mentioned in a way, the good consequence that standards of living, living rise, um, that's something we could be able to see uh, being caused by a COVID-19 crisis in a manner that maybe we develop new standards, um, governments will de develop new standards of uh, residential developments that actually um, force um, for more uh, shared outdoor space, more space to breathe and have uh, air and light uh, in case of lockdowns, as an example that we saw in some parts of the world quite rigidly. Um, so so there's, there's these kind of consequences. Of course, there's also the, the negative aspects in a way that um, already now there's, there's talks about uh, things like uh, tracking systems, monitoring systems in the public realm that are a very, um, a, that is a development that we need to be looking carefully into as a, as a democracy as a society, um, but then also urban typologies that we know today might just evolve 
and that, in, that includes not only buildings, like we might see malls and office towers, like these places where we have a lot of people being bundled together. We might see them getting more rapidly extinct in our cities, whilst at the same time, maybe um, our public spaces find a kind of new uh, dimension to them, a new level to them, where they provide more space in new developments for people to, uh, to walk outside. We've seen that in some, in, in some examples uh, in the UK, where uh, private like streets uh, that are usually uh, used by cars and pedestrians are purely used by uh, pedestrians, um, by, by government regulation in a way. Um, and we've also seen that plazas in some cities have become places where temporal hospitals uh, can occur. So I think this new layer to the public space is something that we might be able to see more as, uh, as a consequence of this first real uh, 21st century pandemic. Um, what we're seeing and, and what Thomas just mentioned that is really interesting is that you have this new relationship between private spaces and, and public spaces and that you have this evolution of, of those spaces into something it was not intended to. And, and in a way, you know, um, diseases and pandemics are nothing else and, and not a parameter for uh, resiliencies in our city. Uh, you might consider as well flood resiliency or heat resiliency that that we are um, talking a lot in the field uh, these days because we are living in a highly urbanized environment already but um, that means we're not going to build many new cities from scratch at least not in Europe but we're going to based and build um, uh, upon what we already have in the cities and that means you need to be creating uh, a new kind of uh, rules are applying to a, an existing urban fabric. So it might be more small and, and smart interventions that are more effective to reply to those, uh, to those issues. Uh, we're not going to pull another Osman uh, urbanism master plan because we don't have the financial capacity, the political power, or even now we have parameters about um, sustainability that we know that you need to reduce as much as you can what you have already present in the urban realm. Um, so if we build new urban districts, uh, you, you can take disease as another parameter of, of resiliency that you need to bring into onto the table as a parameter. Um, but it's just going to be another parameter amongst the other ones I just cited before. So if you look at um, other resiliency parameters, such as uh, flooding and, and, and heat or social resiliency, um, the most effective measures are the ones that are mutually beneficial between different uh, parameters. So for instance, green, roof onto, green roofs onto existing structures are not only good for uh, the energy consumption of the building itself, but also it's just bringing more diversity and more visual uh, access to, um, to green spaces. Another, another example might be that parks and new development can be uh, providing flood protection as well as uh, sufficient open space for social distances and uh, access to public spaces in general. Um, yeah. it's, just, it's just the fact that taking a monoparameterization on how you behave in city and how you plan cities is just not really an approach because instead of creating, creating a, a tolerance for pandemics and showing that qualitative coexistence between pandemic and how a human life is possible, you're going to have something that is... Uh, that is more towards one direction. And we know that we are all living in an ecosystem in a way. We all live 
in interaction between each other, whether we talk about humans or other kind of parameters. So we all live on the same planet. So you, you need to kind of foster those, uh, those interaction and, and relationships. So um, could you tell me maybe how uh, these relate to stakeholders and how we will build uh, the cities of the future? Um, yeah, in a, in a way, I mean, so what, what we need to see is that, speak about the cities of the future, is that resiliency, urban resiliency, is nothing but a mitigation of symptoms. Um, they're not a cure to the original problem. So the problem in the first place, and then we try to make our cities resilient usually in order to weaken the, 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 eff the effects that the problem has on us. Doesn't, it, it doesn't cure um, the disease itself. And um, what we find if you look at pandemics such as COVID or, or other ones that we had in the past and more frequently especially, is that there's a, a lot of, a lot, a lot, a lot of uh, common denominators between um, diseases and uh, the, 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 bigger, the bigger challenge of, 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 of the climate crisis in a way that we see that diseases are fostered um, by a new uh, kind of human-animal interaction by increasing biotopes, um, by more extreme t uh, temperatures or more vulnerable ecosystems. These things are strengthened by that and they will happen more frequently. So in order to really tackle that problem, we need to tackle the, the big problem of, of, of climate change. Um, and in that, in that manner, the, the future of urbanism and all the stakeholders involved in it, they, it needs to, they need to do these two things, which is mitigation of the problems we already have, but also try to decrease the original cause of the problems, meaning reversing or stop, uh, stopping or ideally reversing um, uh, the climate change. Um, and that's why, why we as, as, as Superworld are also um, looking at this, at this problem as a holistic entity, uh, as the overall system. We're not just trying to create the engineering solutions to the different aspects of it, but actually see it as, 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 an, as an overall entity. And we try to play or interact with this system, uh, craft the system in a meaningful manner so we can do both. And that's, that's, that has many, many layers, if you want to say. Um, so there's, of course, the, the layer that we need to uh, construct, ideally, in a carbon-positive way if we do new, new urban developments or upgrade our cities. We need to speak about upcycling, new green mobilities, new kinds of energy, um, the resiliency and biodiversity that will allow us to be better prepared for new uh, pandemics coming up or other or uh, the other effects uh, that climate change brings. Uh, we also need to, to, of course, look what, what Max said before, uh, look into the, the social aspect of it. E the, the, our ecosystem involves humans, so we need to create also resilient communities that, um, that are strengthened, that work better together, and um, also have a more localized and, well, human-to-human -human, uh, kind of solutions to, to situations like the current one. Um, and of course, the cities of the future that we build should all be evolutionary in a way that they can adapt to changes. What, what, what I spoke about before, uh, public space that adapts to unforeseeable events. Um, that is something that, that is, is 
quite of, of essence in a way, not only in terms of uh, pandemics, but also many other parameters of the, of the climate crisis. Um, of course, there's also going to be economic uh, layers to this, uh, to, to the cities of the future um, and many others. Um, but we're trying to, as Superworld to tackle them as a holistic whole instead of just picking, like doing the conventional planning process where you so resolve single ones of them. So I think that's what, how the cities of the future should, should be built in a way. You were mentioning before there's no organism that exists in isolation from, from the other ones. Uh, in biology, ecosystem can be uh, defined in many different shapes. So it can be mutually beneficial or in competition or parasitism. And you can find all those kind of interaction in cities and, and, and countryside, for instance. Uh, so you can think of relationship between economy, resources, legal framework. And I think that if you're trying to, to build cities uh, or to interact with the built environment, you ought to be thinking about uh, all the interactions in the system. So, for instance, uh, one that is more related to the human construct that, that Thomas was mentioning um, would be that you have now indigenous governance systems where you have social structures that are part of of a more resilient built environment. Uh, so you have relationship between and within communities and interactive with many layers um, of, of the society or what makes our modern world, such as uh, energy, housing, or, or mobility, for instance. And then you can find many of those international communities are trying to tackle local challenges, uh, as energy cooperatives or uh, residential self-initiated development. And so those local communities are organized around local needs. But what you can see now is that um, those structures are becoming, are becoming uh, something different. They are repurposed into something more uh, relevant to what the social and uh, the local needs are. So in a way, it, this is all part of the, this, this non-tangible um, structure of what our, our cities are made of that we are really uh, interested to, to dive into. Um, because we see that there's a lot of um, potential and of failure, but also of success on how to make our cities. Um, yeah, and uh, I think, like, if, I, if, if we can give you two two examples uh, where we where we try to apply this um, system making, this ecosystem thinking. Um, is that we uh, that we were working on um, a strategy in Russia about shifting the entire construction industry to the one resource that they have in abundance, which is timber, um, and we 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 wanted to cover like the the full spectrum, the full scope of this holistic system. So we didn't only think about uh, the architecture or or the city block um, that that would be put in many many cities in Russia in a way. Uh, but also about the communities, the value, the value for the people living there, how we can strengthen the communities, make them more resilient in a way. Um, but also the economic uh, aspect of this, meaning what is the how what does the supply chain look like? What is the current industry we can be building on? Uh, what is the market for the tim for timber? The legislation, all these things look like, um, and. Uh, all of that in order, in a way, to create uh, a carbon-positive uh, city. Um, that is that is that is quite 
in our agenda in a way. Um, and another uh, example uh, we have in, in, in Belgium, maybe Max, you can explain on, on that one since you're the, the local. <laughs> so that, that there was another example where we tried to shift from uh, from old model of mobility that is car driven towards more um, uh, soft and and pedestrian driven uh, mobility. You have to know in cities a lot of drivers who park and then talk about um, parking spaces, for instance, are in the city. And then it's interesting to think on what's the the mobility of the future or what is the future we want to be like in mobility. And therefore, you you are left with a lot of redundant uh, infrastructure that are in the public space. And then we're trying to think on how to repurpose those into something that is um, really useful for communities, but also in the same time that are being um, that can be put in place in uh, in a low key manner in a quite fast uh, uh, fashion, and that also that can profit uh, the bigger community. So it's it's all about uh, it's one of the evidence for uh, ecosystem urbanism that we're trying to 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 think about and system making that beyond that extend beyond only one discipline, but trying to tackle mobility with uh, more urbanism and trying to also have a merge between a top down approach that might be um, digital driven and and data driven approach where you can have uh, GIS data uh, informing what kind of program you need and, and where. And also the top-down approach, where you would have uh, the people that are involved in the design process and having participatory processes put in place to have really people engaged in the environment and that they feel they can uh, participate in um, in the making of the city they they want to live in. Yeah, I was wondering, like, um, because of course now that uh, this pandemic crisis has been ongoing, we have been talking about sustainability. Uh, in a more sustained way, actually, than before. Um, I think that probably uh, authorities have started to think about it uh, um, as a necessity. Do you reckon that this will carry on on the long run? Because my feeling is that architects and engineers are really trying to push sustainability forward. But of course, the regulations and the political motivations are always slower than than the people who want to innovate. So do you see that there will be a strong change or do you think that things will proceed as slow as before in the end? Well, there are examples of, of this happening already now, like uh, I think what social distancing brought in this case and, and lockdown is that you have an acceleration and concentration of decisions that would have taken a decade and now that are accelerated. So for instance, you see that there needs to be more uh, um, authorities are thinking on, on re-triggering the, the, the economy. And in the same time, they are doing it with some conditions now. So for instance, Austria decided not to give money to its uh, airline companies uh, without having a really strong um, sustainable agenda. So you have uh, the companies that should be carbon neutral or reduce drastically their carbon footprint. Um, so think, uh, and, and for instance, in Amsterdam, you have also uh, the donut economy system that has been put in place to, uh, once we're going to trigger back the economy, it's going to be um, oriented towards the direction we are, uh, we ought to go for as a society. Um, so I think in the end, we're trying to, we should be 
building more systems that are interrelated and that are far beyond the, the original agenda that we have. As Thomas said, just mitigating the effort of, of what we have now is just not going to be enough. I think we need to be visionary and, and also in the, in the same time uh, pragmatist on how to, to get there. Great. I think it's good to, to have a small conclusion. Um, um, no, but, but maybe then to, to conclude uh, on what was, what was just said in this, in this conversation before. Um, in our belief, um, the, the consequences of this um, COVID-19 uh, pandemic, um, well, it, it basically comes down to creating a more resilient ecosystem, uh, urban ecosystem, um, but also try, uh, try uh, to change or to reverse the original cause of many of these problems, which is the climate crisis. Um, and we can do so with, with many, uh, by many measures. We need to see it as a holistic entity. The built environment and the humans in, uh, living with it, they shape an overall um, bio to, uh, uh, ecosystem. Um, and I think that's also really at the core what 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 we're trying to do with with superworld um, is that we we try to envision or dream if you want to say about the uh, these um, ideal systems or or how these systems can be improved how it's a better future um, whilst trying to figure out a way um, on a very on a very bottom or like down to earth um, process to actually get these implemented and without them hope without it lasting uh, a very long time that's really that thank you so much for uh, both uh, giving your view on uh, on the subject i'm really happy uh, to have you on this episode too uh, so thank you for uh, for your participation and uh, i'm looking forward to see more of superworld uh, and your projects uh, i will put uh, the link uh, of your instagram facebook and website uh, in the podcast so people can go and check out your uh, amazing startup thank you so much thank you for having, thank us. You for having us